Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Monday check-in. Uh, I guess oh, I'm supposed to actually say hi, everybody. That's my thing. That's what I say, I think. Um, my name is Damon. I'm one of the pastors of First Presbyterian Church in Hastings, Nebraska. I am uh, coming to you this today from my front porch, uh, joined by Pastor Greg. Greg, are you there? I am here. Glad to be here with you, Damon. Uh, glad to be here with all of our loyal listeners, all 17 of them. Uh, at least that was the last time I checked. <laughs> no. uh, anyways, we're, uh, we're doing our Monday check-in here, which is an opportunity for us to touch base with the church family, share a few announcements, and then do a Bible study chat on the scripture that, uh, that in this case I will be preaching on uh, on Sunday, six days from now. And so uh, we'll start, I suppose, with some of those announcements. And uh, the one that uh, the word is getting out about would be our communion offerings. Uh, as most of the church knows, we take a second offering on the Sundays where we serve communion. And so, uh, and then throughout the month, we collect for that offering. And the communion offering benefits a local ministry partner. In this case, it was the Maryland Living Center, which is across the street from the church that houses uh, youth and young adults who have aged out of the foster system. Uh, Maryland Living Center said what they really need more than anything are games, board games, puzzles, card games, those sorts of things to keep their residents occupied during this time of social isolation and directed health measures. And so uh, we're still collecting those through the end of this week. If you want to drop them by the church or just drop them directly off at the Maryland Living Center, we invite you to do that. Other than that, uh, we'll continue to promote our three touch points with the congregation each week. This Monday check-in on Wednesday, our amazing director of Christian Ed, Steph Brader, does a kids' corner where she records a Bible story video and a little commentary, and then also compiles some great resources for families and children. We commend that to everyone. And then on Friday, we do our Friday feature. Can I ask who our uh, artist is going to be for the Friday feature this week, Damon? I believe that our artist is, you may ask, yes. And I believe that the artist is going to be Jim Sanderson. Excellent. So, yeah. And uh, Jim grew up at First Presbyterian Church, and his mom, Flossie, is still an active member there. And uh, Jim helped us with some music this summer as part of our Summer Sermon Song series. And so that will be great to have Jim join us for that. Uh, and then, of course, our Sunday worship services, which uh, we stream live using the Facebook Live platform, as well as uh, over 1550 KICS radio. And uh, then, of course, on the local public access channels throughout the week. So glad that we can continue to be in touch as a community, that we can continue to build community, grow in our faith, and also live out our faith and grow as disciples of Jesus Christ in this strange time we are living in. So. Yeah. Um, did you want to say anything about the this coming Sunday will be a communion Sunday? Yes, indeed. Thank you for reminding me of that. So um, That's what I'm here for. We uh, last communion Sunday was Palm Sunday, and we did the car parade where people drove through our church parking lot, picked up a packet with a palm and communion elements and that sort of thing, and and then we drove around and uh, said prayers at different spots in the community. That was very well received, and, uh, and so this week we are going to just invite people, if they'd like to, to come park in the church parking lot, and uh, we will have communion elements available in the 20 minutes leading up to the service, and uh, we invite you to tune your radio to KICS 1550 AM, 
and sit in the parking lot and enjoy the service and look through your car windows at your fellow parishioners. Uh, we can gather in some way in this sense and uh, look forward to doing that. You need to stay in your cars. The church will be locked. If you uh, need to use the facilities, we encourage you to drive home, continuing to listen to the service on the radio, but uh, we can't let people into the church building uh, based on the directed health measures uh, by our local county health department. But it'll be a chance to gather if people choose to gather to get out of the house and sit in their cars and listen to the church service and share communion, um, at least uh, in closer proximity to one another as they look through their car windows at each other. So uh, we'll be sharing that invitation with the church over the week and getting that word out but you've heard it first here on the monday check-in <laughs> as always we we break all the news on this revolutionary show um we will we will have the individual communion serving uh, packets available though i suppose if someone wanted to if someone's been participating in the in the great sourdough revolution of our times and wanted to bring their own elements with them in the car i mean they could certainly do that that wouldn't be yeah wouldn't what be we're going to do is remind the church that it is a communion sunday and invite them to get some sort of elements present with them if they come to church we will have those little communion packets that we distributed for palm sunday but if you choose to bring your own bread and fruit of the vine uh that that would be perfectly acceptable as well you can sit in the parking lot and uh use your own elements or use the elements that we provide for you the good news in our Presbyterian faith tradition is that it's less about the actual elements and more about the spirit of the meal that we share together. And so even if you are at home and cannot get access to uh, bread or to grape juice or uh, some other fruit of the vine, it's okay to use other elements, uh, common elements, because the magic is not in the elements. Uh, there's no magic involved here. It's about a shared communion, which is a sacred meal that we share together. And the sacredness is in the fact that we're sharing it together and reflecting on what it means for us. Yeah. Very nice. Well, is it, uh, is it time to transition into the, into the scripture? I think so. So let's open with a, with a word of prayer. Gracious and loving God, we come before you on this Monday morning, still in a state of chaos, a state of not knowing what is going to happen next. The good news, Lord, is that you promise to accompany us throughout our lives, particularly in these times of the unknown, these times of the mysterious, these times of the difficult. We thank you for that steadfast presence that you share with us. We thank you for First Presbyterian Church of Hastings and the way that it continues to be your body in this community, the way that you continue to inspire us to be your faithful disciples, to be the hands and feet of Christ in our community, and the way that you continue to provide us a sense of love, a sense of hope, and allow us to continue to grow together as a family of faith and to grow into our community so that your love and your light shines brightly. May our conversation today be guided by your wisdom, O oh God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So our scripture for this upcoming Sunday is going to be taken from the second chapter of the book of the Acts of the Apostles. It's just a few verses, um, uh, but it's verses that if, even if we aren't really familiar with the particular wording, we're very familiar with the concept. 
and so it's a, a depiction of the early the early church or the early followers of the way they may have referred to themselves at the time uh, staying from the second chapter of acts verses 42 through 47 and it reads kind of like this they they being the followers of jesus the apostles and disciples they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles all who believed were together and had all things in common they would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need day by day as they spent much time together in the temple they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts praising god and having the goodwill of all the people and day by day the lord added to their number those who were being saved here ends this read yes greg what do you got well you know i um you said something when you introduced the reading that uh i had actually picked up as well which is uh talking about these being people of the way um and that's a phrase that's used throughout the book of acts but uh it tells the story of the people of the way of the early church movement starting um it's attributed to Luke, the same guy who wrote the Gospel of Luke. And uh, it's interesting because Luke, I wouldn't say Luke is a historian or a journalist. Uh, in fact, he's part of this new movement of the way. And so he's recording it from within as, as one who has been profoundly influenced by it. But this book of Acts is our most comprehensive history uh, of the spiritual movement that gave birth to the early Christian church. This is Acts chapter 2. At verse 42, if we just back up to the very beginning of Acts, it begins with uh, Jesus is post, it's in post-resurrection. It's Jesus' last appearance to the disciples, and the, the book of Acts begins with Jesus' ascension. Um, and, then, and then we have the story of Pentecost, which we will focus on and celebrate at the end of the month of May with Pentecost Sunday. And then right after the story of Pentecost is this one. And so it, what it does is it charts the beginning of the early church, the deliberations and the actions of the church beginning in Jerusalem and its eventual spread across uh, Greece and across the Middle East. Uh, and I just love how it depicts the beginning of the way, the beginning of this Jesus movement. Um, and right off the bat, early on, we see how broad and how encompassing, how life-changing really it is to be part of the way, right? It fundamentally changes our sense of uh, who we are and our sense of who we belong to, which is each other. It changes our sense of this communal obligation and our need to respond to others in personal crisis, right? That they would sell their proceeds and distribute to all as any had need. Mm -hmm. um, so... I don't know. What do you think, Damon? Yeah, it's interesting that there's, because um, it talks about them being together in the temple, worshiping in the temple, and offering prayer in the temple. And then it talks about them also gathering in in one another's homes, some someplace. So that there's this, there's this whole, there's this all-encompassing kind of feel to it, right? That... Um, which I think ties in with what you were saying about <clears throat> this is an all-encompassing life. I don't want to say lifestyle, but <laughs> way of life, right? That um, 
selling your possessions, giving to those as they have need, uh, worshiping in the temple, offering prayer on the temple, gathering together for a meal, for conversation, and uh, for fellowship. That it's that the the way this this pattern of being um, affects and has ramifications for for every part of a person's life. That that's not this isn't just something that happens in the temple. It's also not just something that happens around the table. It's it's both of the things all all together. Yeah. Yeah, and that really, um, I mean, that's what our faith calls us to be, that it's not just something we, we do when we go into the church building on Sunday mornings and participate in an hour of worship, but instead that uh, it should radically alter how we live our lives on a daily basis uh, and focus our lives um, on the needs of others, focus our lives. I love the, the, the terms gladness and uh, generosity, which are present in the text, right? Um, and present in the texts uh, around table fellowship. And so I, I made the link here when I was reading this, uh, thinking back to our conversation last week, uh, and, and particularly um, came up in your sermon as well, the, the story in the Gospel of Luke, written by the same author here as Acts, of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, and uh, they, their eyes were not made to recognize him, but it's when they choose to offer him hospitality, when they invite him in at night, at the end of a long journey, that's when their eyes are open. Their eyes are open, made open in the breaking of the bread. By them extending hospitality, uh, they're able to see the presence of the risen Christ in their midst, right? And uh, it feels like this, this section from Acts picks up on that same theme of hospitality and table fellowship, you know, this very short passage we read twice, it opens itself. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. And so it opens with this notion of table fellowship and, and sharing hospitality with one another. And then again in, in verse 46, day by day as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that there's, I didn't mean to interrupt oh. <laughs> if I did, but I think there's something about the connection between breaking bread together and taking care of one another, I think is important. And we think, I think we oftentimes think about, oh, let's sit down and let's have a meal together as, oh, it's just a nice, that would be a nice thing to do. And it would be a nice way to get to know one another and share stories and have this kind of shared experience and, and eat hopefully delicious things. <laughs> but I, I wonder if within the community, the act of gathering together was also a way of making sure that everyone was eating, <laughs> that everyone had enough to eat. I and mean, if we have a community where folks are, are, are cognizant enough of people's needs that they're selling their possessions and supporting one another, then it would make sense to me also that we have a community where folks are cognizant of each other's needs enough to make sure that, oh, we need to break bread together so that at least in part, we're sure that everyone is eating. Yeah, that's a really interesting idea because we think about 2000 years ago in first century Palestine, um, food insecurity and where your next meal was coming from would have been a big deal. Uh, particularly for those early followers of the way, right? Because we know that Jesus drew 
his first disciples from the working classes uh, and folks who, uh, you know, perhaps didn't always have bread on the table at night uh, based upon how their day went fishing, for example. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so yeah, this notion of coming together and breaking bread together could have also been a way for folks of the way to make sure that everyone in their community was taken care of, was getting their, their needs met physically, like actual caloric intake to make sure they could survive to the next day. Right. Right. Yeah. And uh, so I, I think that's a beautiful way to think about that, that the breaking of the bread was not simply a reenactment of the Lord's Supper, although that was certainly part of it, but that in the Lord's Supper, what we're talking about is a manifestation of God's grace and love. And in the act of breaking bread together and making sure that your community is taken care of, that is also a manifestation of God's grace and love. Mm-hmm. So table fellowship is just key here, not just uh, in reenacting the Lord's Supper, but also in what the Lord's Supper stood for and, and how we how we go about that, I think is is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, I think that we are so in the habit of, of celebrating communion as really a ceremonial meal. Um, we call it a meal, but, but when we have it in church, it's the one little piece of bread and a half of an ounce of grape juice, if that maybe, right? <clears throat> um, and, and over time, then that sort of can lead to sort of a separation of Jesus gathered with the disciples and had a meal and ate together, right. you know, uh, and the same way these folks were gathering together and having a meal. Uh, and part of the meal, sure, was, was, a, was a remembrance of the Last Supper um, and of the gifts of grace that are present in communion, but also it was, it was a meal. Yeah. And, and, you know, perhaps in our modern church, we reenact that more with, uh, with potlucks. Yeah. Uh, and it is a chance for us to come together and share a meal as a community to literally share what we've prepared in our own homes, share the fruit of our labor, even if in this case, it means going to the grocery store, right? But still share what we've prepared in our homes and bring that into the community so that the whole community can enjoy that. That's, that's one manifestation of that, um, that table fellowship. Another one, Damon is, uh, is our funeral luncheons. And it's a chance for us to come together as a community, uh, to share a meal. And in the act of sharing that meal, it is an act of love and grace for the family that's grieving. It's an act of letting them know that they're loved and helping them process their grief. Um, so, you know, that's another one. And our deacons are a big part of that ministry of, of, the funeral luncheons, something we're actually missing out right now. Uh, and something I, I missed profoundly last week. I did two funerals last week and we just, all we could do was graveside services and there was no funeral luncheon. And, mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't until afterwards that I was really reflecting on how meaningful that funeral luncheon is, uh, for me as the pastor and for the family, but as well as for the folks that prepare the meal and serve it. And, um, sometimes, Yeah, just getting me thinking a lot about table fellowship. The the other one in in this context, um, 
we're missing out on our potlucks too. And, and I'm hoping that we're going to have the biggest, grandest potluck when uh, we're able to come back together and safely do that. But also table fellowship uh, around the family table. And for some families, this has been an opportunity to, to do more of that and, and to do that better. They're actually getting more time. Uh, for other folks who are isolated, they're missing out. Uh, folks who have lunch groups or coffee groups, uh, I'm thinking of, um, yeah, and they're missing out on, on that, that table fellowship, that sacredness, uh, even if it's around <laughs> a McDonald's booth, right, where our right. men's coffee group meets, or if it's around back alley bakery table where some of our members who live alone still have luncheons once or twice a week. Uh, I think our PW luncheon, uh, all of these are, are opportunities we're missing out on and as we miss them, it makes me realize how important they are. Uh, and so perhaps that's one of these gifts of this time is realizing the importance of these so that we do, in fact, appreciate them when we're able to do them again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is something about. Yeah, it's well, the, you don't know what you got till you got, until it's gone. Kind of a, a sentiment and the there is some truth to the not being, not having the option to do it heightens your awareness of how much you appreciate doing it. Whether or not you, whether or not you opted into it all the time, you know, who knows, but, um, but yeah, but not being able to do it um, heightens that, that awareness. So, yeah. Yeah. I was also thinking, you were talking, I was also thinking about, um, the, the practice the church has gotten into of doing the, the meal trains for, yeah. uh, for folks with, with newborns. Um, yep. and, and of course the, the food from the heart, the casserole, um, sort of ministry as well. And, um, and oftentimes I think of, you know, a, a meal is, is an excuse. Um, and I think this, uh, particularly about the the, uh, post-funeral luncheon. Um, You know, when I I was in Minnesota working as a pastor, families was, well, do we need to, do we need to have a meal? Do we need to do all of that? And and I was, so you don't have to have a meal, but, but people will be looking for, people need some excuse to gather, right? Whether that's, whether that's just coffee and punch and tea or whether that's, cupcakes or whether that's the full the sandwiches and all of that and the roasters and everything is less important but they need an excuse to gather up and to share stories and to tell one another this you know this well I remember when they did this and it you know and it just it changed my life or it made me think about things differently or it was just kind <laughs> um, like the the meal in a lot of ways is, is an excuse to, to get together and to, and to share life in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the beauty of this verse, this short passage in Acts that charts the very, very beginning of the early church is the emphasis on, on those meals, on that table fellowship and the way that that draws people together and helps them to, uh, in this case, start the early church, but really grow together as a community 
Um, and, and I loved your perspective, Damon, on, on ensuring that the needs of the community are met too. Um, and that gets, that gets at the, the meal trains that we do for newborn parents, as well as the casserole ministry. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, there's, a, there's a comfort in bringing that meal over, but there's also meeting basic physical needs. Like new parents <laughs> don't have time yeah. to get out and cook a meal. And the casserole ministry is, is, is brought over for folks who, who have a need. Uh, whether mm-hmm. it's a need of comfort food or whether it's a need of actual food or some combination of both. Um, and that's an opportunity that we have as the church, as the body of Christ, just as the early church did literally weeks after Christ's ascension and the start of the early church, they were already doing this. And so the, we're part of a proud tradition that dates back over 2000 years. And I, um, I hope we can continue to live into that tradition. Yeah. So, so this week it's, it's acts, it's, it's communion, it's table fellowship, it's sacred meals. It's that, is that kind of a Sunday? Is that what we got going on? Indeed. I think that's the direction this one's going. Okay. All right. Uh, well, are we, shall we have a closing prayer? Let's do that. Okay. Loving and gracious God, I thank you for all of the ways that communities of faith check in on one another and support one another for um, uh, for meals, for phone calls, for cards, for prayers, for conversations. Thank you, God, for the, the myriad of ways that your love is made known. Thank you for the gifts of grace that come to us through the meal of communion, the remembrance of your son, Jesus the Christ, his gift of love for us and for the world. As we continue to live our separated lives, we pray, oh God, that you might be with us, that we might find ways, even if they are small, even if they are less than what they once were, to connect with one another, to share in life with one another in some way, to carry one another's burdens, to laugh when others laugh and cry when others cry. Be with us, O God, as we move throughout the rest of this week until we join together once again. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. With all that said and done, then, until next time, toodaloo. Take care.